Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. We talk about bad breath. I'm not just being funny. There's a point here. John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Would you stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me? Father, I know what you've put on my heart and what you've burdened me with, but I also know that I'm incapable of sharing your heart the way it needs to be shared. So I, I lean to the Holy Spirit today to do what he does so well. Not only to help me, but, Father, to speak to every individual in here today in a very personal way. And I thank you for that, Father. I declare your word will not return void. It will accomplish that, which you have sent it to do. Amen. We Christians sometimes are guilty of reading verses of Scripture and we see one that has an impact on us or it kind of jumps off the page. And, and if we're not careful, the temptation will be to take that verse out of the whole story. And then we, we, we actually do it injustice. We've got to take a moment and look at what's being said here. We've got to look at the setting. Jesus has been crucified He's died early in John chapter 20, verse 1. They run to the tomb. They found it empty. There's confusion. There's fear. In fact, the disciples are so afraid, they've locked themselves into a room. The door is shut. And all of a sudden, Jesus just appears to them there. The first thing he does is he, he wants to bring peace to them. He says to them, peace. I want to tell you, that's, that's, that's always the first step with the Father. He, he, he always wants you to operate from a place of peace. He wants you to be at rest. The enemy is always trying to bring 
stress. And Jesus is always trying to bring peace. And he shows up in the middle of this thing, and they're, they're, they're shut behind doors. And, the, and they're shut behind doors because they're afraid of everything that's going on. We're living in a time in our culture, especially here in America, but as well around the world, Christianity is more attacked than at any time in history. Just in 2018, a Barna report came out that said that we're, there were more Christians killed around the world for their faith than at any other time in history, just last year. Christianity is being impugned, and there are, it's even a, you go out in public, and people have nothing often good to say about Christians. It's going to get darker before it gets lighter. And there are a lot of people that are afraid to engage culture. They're afraid to talk to their neighbor about God because of what their neighbor may say. They're afraid to engage people at Walmart or at the gas station. They're afraid to talk to their waitress about God because of what she might do to their food. And so the parallel is stunning here because these individuals were hiding. They were in fear and they were hiding behind closed doors. And Jesus steps into the midst of them and he first proves who he is. He shows them the, the nail prints in his hands. He, he shows them the, the scar in his side and they now realize it's him. He's already spoke peace to them. He shows them who he is, and he speaks peace to them again. And then we got to get to the whole picture here. He says this to them. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Now I'm going to tell you, you want to know how we're sent by God? You need to know how Jesus was sent by God. I want to tell you, Jesus was not weak. He was not incapable. He never ran short. He never fretted over, do we have enough? He never worried about how bad the person was in front of him. Jesus was fully empowered to do what God the Father sent him to do. And Jesus is trying to get you and I to understand something. Just like he was sent fully empowered, you and I are fully empowered. The very gates of hell will never prevail against the church. So Jesus said, just like my father sent me, I'm sending you. And then... He breathed on them. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. The problem today is the church has bad breath. Because we're not breathing out the right stuff. We breathe in, and you know what you breathe out? You breathe out what you breathed in. 
and we're breathing out religion. We want to take courses on how to lead somebody down the Roman road. We want to, we want to take courses on how to... And, and we, we, we create people that, that have no relationship with God. I know of ministers who are good about getting people to pray the sinner's prayer. Even though prayer is nowhere in the Bible. And in the moment... They have an individual who has prayed a prayer, and in the moment they may feel like a relief and a release because they, they, they have prayed this prayer, but Jesus said, I pray not only that you have fruit, but that your fruit remain. That this thing needs to be a relationship and not a religion. And too many in the church, they're breathing out religion because that's all they have is religion. They're breathing out anger because all they have is anger. There are some people who in the church, when they're trying to witness to somebody, they, they start off with, do you know you're going to hell? The judgment of God is coming on you. They want to gather a bullhorn, and I, I admire their, their willingness to be, to be bold, but they're, they're, not, they're not breathing out the Holy Spirit. They're breathing out anger and judgment. It's good stuff, folks. They're breathing out depression. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I was tentative about being saved because I, I didn't want to be as depressed as most Christians were. I was having, even in the midst of my sin, at least I was, had a certain level of joy about life. And I thought if I got saved, I'm going to have to give that up. Because by looking around, you've got to walk around looking like you've been baptized in lemon juice. And you had your eyes open in it. You, you couldn't have fun. You couldn't, you couldn't joke around. You couldn't be real. You, you had to be sourpuss because you just have to be. Because, of course, God the Father is sitting on the throne and he's mad and he's angry and he's judgmental and he just can't wait to bring judgment on everybody. And if you don't quit, get saved. I mean, know what I'm talking about? I, I, I didn't know that I wanted that. In spite of that, there was something drawing me. Something that was drawing me in. There are some that not only have religion or anger or depression they have judgment i understand what the word of god says the bible talks about you shall know them by their fruits i get that the bible says that we should judge righteous judgment i know that but there are some that that's all they have there's no compassion there's no love there's no genuine relationship with god they have nothing but judgment I know what I'm talking about. I've gone through much of this in my early walk with God. I've seen down through the years how God has had to break that off of me. I had a man I was ministering to. He was an evangelist, and he'd long ago given up on God and gone back to the world, and he had a drinking problem, and he, he got drunk literally every day. 
There was a time if he had a revival, you'd be lucky to get in the building. And now, for more than a decade, he's in this state. And I had a heart for him, and I went to pastor not far from where he lived, and so I kept interjecting myself into his life, and he hated it. I knocked at the door, and he saw it was me. He wouldn't answer the door. I even got goofy one day, went and knocked on the door, and he had one of those houses that the, the front door is right there, but if you, you walk down the porch a little bit, there's the, the big five-foot window, you know? And I knocked on the door, knocked on the door, <laughs> knocked on the door. And I know he's there because his truck's there. Finally, I walked over the window, <laughs> and there he is sitting. Hey, Harvey. He grudgingly let me in, and we'd sit down in the living room, and he'd turn the TV up louder while I'm trying to talk to him. It was never any fun. One day I went to visit him, and his truck was gone. And I knew I'd gotten there too late. It was 11.30. He was already down at the local bar starting to get drunk. And so I took a moment, and I, I prayed for Harvey in his, as I sat in his driveway. And the Holy Spirit nudged me to go down to the bar. Well, that's just what I need. Somebody to drive by and see my car at the bar at 1130. Isn't that sad that that was my only fear? I, I called my wife and I told her, I said, listen, I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to go down there. And so if you get a call, just want you to know why my car's down at the bar. I hadn't been inside of a bar since I was a kid, my dad took me in. Remember parking, walking into the place. And there he was, elbows up to the bar. I remember getting over on the stool next to him and sat down. And I kind of bumped him. He looked at me. He said, oh, oh, preacher, preacher. What are you doing in here? You got no business being in here. I said, brother, neither do you. So do you want to talk in here, or do you want to go back to your house and talk? Well, we can't talk in here. So I can. Religion make you judge. Some people don't have religion. They, they have self. They breathe out self. Just I think, I think. They look down their nose at somebody who doesn't sin in the same way they sinned. Let me know what I'm talking about. It's bad breath. You ever been around somebody who's got bad breath and they don't know it? Especially if they got bad breath and they want to in, in, engage you at close personal space
when one of our boys, you know, they get to the age where they're, they're, they're walking around and they can talk a little bit, but they still haven't quite been potty broke. How many know, Tom? I don't know how old that is. Is that 10 or 2 or whatever it is? <laughs> is it like 2 years old or 3 years old or something? Okay. And as a parent, you know what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, you become aware through the olfactory senses that somebody needs a diaper change. And we'd say that. Our son would come up to us and say, somebody needs a diaper change. One morning, I got up, just finished my first cup of coffee. I haven't showered, haven't brushed my teeth, but I've drank coffee, you know what I'm talking about? My son come up to me as I'm sitting there, and he goes, hi, Dad. I said, hey, buddy. He goes, does somebody need a diaper change? (laughs) Bad breath. pain when we breathe on people our religion when we breathe on them our judgment we breathe on them our depression I've, I've listen I'm not trying to be I'm just pointing out I've seen people do that I've seen Christians do that I've seen them engage an unbeliever and and moments into the conversation, and the believer says, and I've just, I've just really been struggling with being depressed lately. And the Christian, me too. And sometimes I just don't want to get out of bed. Everything is so dark. Listen, you know what? If you're drowning, you can't help save somebody. You just can't. Self. What you think about that person could not be more irrelevant. That isn't what you're supposed to be breathing out. Or man's wisdom. I think you need to. I think you need to do this. I think you need to do that. I. I think you. Have you seen a doctor for that? Maybe you need some therapy. Maybe you need a counselor. But I tell you, church, listen, you can't breathe out anything other than what you breathe in. It's time the people of God understand something. You can't breathe in garbage and breathe out the Holy Spirit. You can't breathe in religion and breathe out a relationship with God. You can't breathe in anger and breathe out peace. You need to be careful what you're breathing. You need to be careful about what you're watching. You need to be careful about what you're engaged in. You need to be careful what you're bringing in because when the time comes for you to breathe out, you will breathe out what you breathed in. And I've learned this about the enemy. The will of God is, is that you and I seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto us. 
That's truth. And if you're not careful, the enemy will get you pursuing all these other things. And then you think you're going to help somebody pursue the kingdom of God. And I've learned in my life that there are heartaches that come and there are stresses that come and there are distractions that come and there are problems that come because I'm not pursuing the kingdom of God. And if the enemy knows he can distract me with a stupid argument with somebody, if he can distract me with concern about this or worry about that, then I won't pursue the kingdom of God. And I'll breathe out worry, and I'll breathe out stress. And I'll breathe out all of this. But if I will pursue the kingdom of God, and the king of that kingdom, if I will spend time with him, if I will lay myself before him and allow him to, to pour into me, the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. It's the Spirit of God. And just like the Spirit of God breathed into Adam, God is looking to breathe into his church. Because only when the Spirit of God has been given permission to breathe into you, will you breathe out the Holy Spirit. But if you spend all day long chasing money and chasing peace and chasing these things, you want to know why they hid in the room? They were looking for peace. They were afraid of everything that was going on out there. And there are too many believers that are as locked up in the room in their life as these disciples were on this day. And Jesus is coming into the room and he's saying, just like my father sent me, I'm sending you. Now here, have some peace. Have a double portion of peace. And you need to know something. Nothing on the outside had changed. Don't wait for things on the outside to change before you do what God's called you to do. Do what God's called you to do. And then sometimes the things on the outside will change. But the better part is, it won't matter to you anymore. Because as you run through your day, goodness and mercy will be following you all the days of your life. But we have turned back and we're, we're breathing in. What have you breathed in this week? What have you breathed in? It's what you breathe out. It's what you breathe out. There's a unique verse in Scripture when God is upset with those people that have been passing judgment on Moses, and they think Moses has exalted himself above them, and God shows up at the tent of meeting, and God says this. God says, I'm going to paraphrase. He said, when I speak to prophets, I show them things in a dream. They see it as if a shadow. He said, but it's not so with my friend Moses. When I speak to Moses, the Bible says, I speak to him mouth to mouth. You would have thought he would have said mouth to ear. But he says mouth to mouth. Why? Because that's where Moses is getting life. 
God is speaking. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. And if you don't spend time alone with him and allow him to speak into you spirit and life, then when you stand in front of somebody who has a black outfit on and that horns on their head, you want to tell them, do you know what the Bible says about the way you're living your life? Do you know there's only one King, King Jesus, and every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess? I want you to know that God is disappointed in you. You think you're something, but you're nothing. And they just come off with anger, and they come off with depression, and they come off with self, and they come off with... But when you've breathed in God, you see the treasure hidden in that field. You see that treasure and you call out to that treasure hidden in the field because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But he has to be in you before he can be greater than he that is in the world. And you get him in you by breathing him in. You intake God so that you can breathe out God. You intake God, and so you breathe out God. And when this person comes along and wants to argue with you, I ain't got time to waste my breath on you. I'm breathing in God so I can breathe out God. And then the enemy comes up and tells you a problem that's going to blow your life out of the water. I don't have time for that. My heavenly father said he'd take care of those things for me. I'm breathing in God so I can breathe out God. The church has bad breath. We We just keep breathing in the wrong stuff. Judgment, anger, hatred, religion. Verse 23 says something very powerful. Whosoever sins, ye remit, they are remitted unto them. Definition of remit. Number one, to release from the guilt or penalty of. Number two, to restore to a former status or condition. Wow. See what that says? Here's what Jesus is saying. The Father sent me into the world. He said, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. As the Father sent me, so I send you. And then he looks him in the eye and think about what he's just put on them. Whatever sin you remit, whatever you release, whatever you restore, what does that mean? There are some believers, so-called Christians, who would see that guy and they'd see a devil worshiper. And they wouldn't really understand that he's bound in sin. And he's that way because no believer has ever come and released him and restored him. 
those. Nobody's ever come and looked them in the eye and says, you're better than this. You, you, you get up in your years, you get, to, you get better at reading people. You, you, you watch that video, and at first, Brother White is talking about things out here. And then he's talking about things that has happened to him. And then he says to the young man, just like you were born into a family, didn't value you. And did you see him? This is getting personal now. He's, have, he's feeling like he needs to close. He's giving himself a hug because he's uncomfortable. He's closing himself off. But if you saw, his tears were welling up in his eyes. Because this wasn't this man talking to him. He was breathing out the Spirit of God. Who loves this guy? And if you would just get over your bad breath and breathe in the Spirit of God so that when you're in front of somebody, you can breathe out the Spirit of God. And if you would start to see life from that vantage point, that you see all these aggravating little foxes that want to spoil the vine, in your life, the stupid little arguments and the stupid little stresses. How many know what I'm talking about? Stupid arguments and the stupid stresses and the stupid worries that never mount to anything. If you'd start to see them for what they really are, they're distractions. Because I can't breathe in the Holy Spirit if I'm breathing in the lies of the enemy. I can't breathe in faith if I'm breathing in fear. I can't breathe in God if I'm breathing in garbage. And you don't, you don't think breath is important? Look at this for just a moment. Jesus is speaking in a house, and they tear the roof off, and they lower him down. Now, that guy was crippled when he was back at his house. He was crippled when they got up, up on the roof. He was crippled while they put him down in front of Jesus. And as he sat there at the feet of Jesus, listen, he was still crippled. Let me have your Bible for a second. God, God doesn't need you to take this and lay it on somebody's head. If he tells you to do that, that's fine. This is a book. This crippled guy is laying literally at the feet of the God of the universe. Listen to me. And he's still crippled. It isn't until Jesus breathes out. And when he goes to the when the funeral comes by his way and the young man is in the casket, he was dead when he was 100 yards off. He was dead when he was 10 feet away. He was dead when Jesus stopped the casket. He was dead when Jesus touched the casket. He didn't come to life until Jesus said.
until he breathed out. And Jesus walks into the graveyard, and Lazarus has been dead for four days. Jesus walks into the graveyard. Lazarus is still dead. Jesus weeps. Lazarus is still dead. There are doubters. Lazarus is still dead. Jesus tells them to roll away the stone. Lazarus is still dead. Lazarus is dead until Jesus breathes out. The church needs to breathe out. We have a, we have a world that's dying, dying for lack of air, dying for what we have, dying for that. And what needs to happen is the church needs to engage these people and free them from the consequences of their sin and free them to be who God made them to be. It's what we're called to do. Stand your feet. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.